you're not coming out alive! Hello, and welcome to episode number one of the Stephen King Book Club podcast. I am Sharon Hawkinson, and let's get started. First of all, I'd like to wish everybody a happy and safe Valentine's Day. I hope your special someone's went out and did something for you today, or that you're going to be able to go out for a nice dinner tonight. Actually, unfortunately with us, um, we're pretty much snowed in in my neck of the woods. We've had some really horrendous weather over the last couple of days, and so um, we're we're pretty much snowbound, but, which is a good thing because then I can get this podcast out to you. And I know I'm getting this out a little bit early, but we are up to seven subscribers, which is really, really, really great. So we're really taking off. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit slow, but that's okay because we are actually brand new. But um, this is very encouraging. So this is this is really great. Okay. Well, last week I put up a series of questions on the podcast, and um, unfortunately we didn't get any feedback. Um, as I said, we are brand new, but hopefully that will change in time. I would really like to see that happen. And. So um, hopefully we'll get even more subscribers and and some feedback. And I would really love to have your emails and your contributions because I I do want this podcast to be interactive. And whereas you, the listeners, will contribute your thoughts and and uh, and feedback, so that I'm not listening to my opinions all the time. Because sometimes um, you know it's just nice to have a different perspective on things. Last week I did put up a series of questions to be answered. And I'll go ahead and keep that up on the website. And there's really no time limit as far as answering those because uh, I think those can really be fit in anywhere. And when I do get some feedback about that, then I will go ahead and read those emails on the show. Just to recap, I did ask the questions, what is your favorite Stephen King book and why? Which is your least favorite Stephen King book and why? And when did you come to enjoy Stephen King books? How long have you been reading Stephen King books? And who is your favorite Stephen King character out of all the books? And please explain. And this week I posted uh, the study questions for the session that we're doing now. And we are going to go ahead and get into the nitty gritty of things and start discussing the Green Mile. This is part one called The Two Dead Girls. And we are going to be covering chapters one through six. And we'll move right along into the study questions. You can find these study questions on our website at www.stephenkingbookclub.blogspot.com. And Stephen King Book Club is all one word, uh, all lowercase letters, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-I-N-G-B-O-O-K-C-L-U-B.blogspot.com. Okay, moving right along into the study questions. Number one, what is your first impression of Paul Edgecombe? And I I do have to say that before I read the book, I saw the movie. And so by the time I got to the book, I knew what was going to be happening with all this. Um, 
the book and the movie are pretty much the same, except there are some subtle differences in the movie, in the book and the movie. The book does actually go into a little bit more detail and has a little bit more on the ending than the movie does. And I'm not going to say any more about that in case you haven't read the book or seen the movie yet, because I don't want to spoil it. My first impression of Paul Edgecombe was uh, we saw him in the nursing home in Georgia Pines. And so my my impression was that um, he had a story to tell and he needed an outlet to tell this story. He was very knowledgeable about the career that he was in. He was actually still very sharp for as old as he was. And we'll actually, as we go into the story, we'll actually hear just how old he is, um, (laughs) which is going to be very interesting. But I really enjoyed listening to his story uh, from the beginning. And I, I thought that he really had a lot to say. Number two, why do you suppose Paul felt that he needed to tell his story? And again, um, you know, he was very lonely. He, um, none of his family was, was left. I, I think the book mentioned a great granddaughter, uh, but really he didn't have any family left. His, by, by the time he got around to telling the story, his wife was gone. Um, most of his children were gone. He had one friend in the nursing home that he spent a lot of time talking to. And so Paul was actually a very lonely person and he wanted, um, I believe he wanted to tell the story because he had these ghosts that he was living with from 1932, which is when, excuse me, which was actually when uh, most of the story took place, um, when the events, when the events on the Green Mile actually took place. And later on in the book and in the movie, we will actually see the real reason why Paul told the story. We later come to find out that it was actually a film that he saw. And in the book, the film was called The Kiss of Death. Excuse me. The Kiss of Death, starring Richard Widmark. I do have to say, um, I I love old-time radio. And uh, so I was familiar with with, uh, this actor. I have... um, I have a lot of episodes of a radio show called Suspense, and Richard Widmark was actually the star in one of those episodes, and I, I can't remember the name of the episode right off the bat. Um, I, I could, you know, would have to look it up and, and that. Um, but in the film The Kiss of Death, Richard Widmark played a gangster, and this gangster reminded Paul of one of the men that was in, um, in the prison where he worked. And I'm not going to say who because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, but um, he did, Richard Woodmark did remind Paul of this prisoner. And it really had a profound effect on him. And so we come, we later come to find out that this is actually the reason why he told the story is because he was uh, battling these ghosts. In the movie version, there was a film that he saw and uh, he, Paul, I mean, broke down just crying uh, with his friend Elaine. And so because of that, he felt compelled to tell the story. Number three. Oh, excuse me. Kind of shouting into this microphone here. <laughs> Number three. What is your first impression of John Coffey when he is brought onto E-Block? And what is the first thing that strikes you about Coffey? When John Coffey was actually brought in, he didn't strike me as the typical uh, murderer. 
this man was just huge. I mean, he was just a giant. And if he really wanted to cause a stir, he definitely could have just because of his size. If you've seen the movie, um, you, you see the the truck pulling in with him actually being transported in there. And when um, John Coffey stands up, you can just see the um, the truck actually rising off the wheels just because of his size and the first time I saw that I was like ah whoa I had never seen somebody that huge um, even in today's standards where we have better nutrition and and um, you know more factors and people are generally taller and and uh, bigger than they were in that particular time he would still be considered huge and when I had first seen him both in the book and in the movie. John Coffey just didn't strike me as the typical murderer would. And I have never met a murderer, thank goodness. Um, he just seemed like he wasn't there. Like he just, uh, almost like he was just sort of off in his own little world, off in some kind of zone. And we all know that he's really not the brightest star in the universe. But uh, I, you know, I, I really like John Coffey right off the bat. And I, I felt that there was actually more to him than, um, you know, than what outward appearances had seemed at the beginning of this story. Um, oh, and the, the thing that struck me, I should answer the second part of this question. The thing that struck me was just his attitude, um, the just the fact that he seemed to be rather calm. Of course, he was so sad. Um, he just always seemed to be so sad. Um and, of course, to find what he actually did find, that would make anybody sad. But the main thing that really struck me was his size. I mean, this man was just huge. Number four, did you dislike Percy right away? And why do you suppose he wanted to work in a place like this prison? Yes, I definitely dislike Percy right off the bat. He was arrogant. He was uh, a bully. He was just not a very likable person. Percy was just um, very annoying, to say the, the very least. Um, and I'd, I'm not going to go into a bunch of name-calling things because I think we all uh, kind of agree on this one. And I, I think that Percy wanted to work in a, in a place like the prison because he was a bully, and he enjoyed throwing around his clout, his connections. We remember that he was the nephew of the governor, even though it was just by marriage, but still he was very connected to this politician in uh, in a very high place. And so if Percy wanted to, he could definitely make a lot of trouble with his relation. He um, wanted to work in a place like this because he he could uh, he knew that he could get away with bullying these prisoners and manhandling them and, and whatnot. And that was just something that would just be right up his alley. Number five... Paul offered John Coffey a handshake, which is something that he had never done for a prisoner before. Even he said that he didn't know why. Perhaps Coffey's admission about being afraid of the dark made him do this. Why do you think that Paul offered this gesture to this particular prisoner? I think uh, deep down Paul Edgecombe knew that there was something more to John Coffey than, than what there seemed to be. As we say, you know, looks can be deceiving. We shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And so I, I think deep down that he knew that there wasn't something quite right that was going on. John Coffey's admission about being afraid of the dark. I mean, you don't really see that in your typical murder, I don't think. And being afraid of the dark is usually a, a little kid thing. And so you it, usually you kind of outgrow that. So I, I think Paul knew that there was just something different about this guy. And 
that something just wasn't quite adding up right. That is what I think, too. Uh, he just, I think there was just something that clicked. And as we know, as we read down in the book and see in the movie, they do develop a rapport, a relationship. And so I, I think um, the chemistry was just there. Okay, number six. In chapter four, Paul goes into detail about the death of the Dederick girls. When you read this account of events, did you think that John Coffey was guilty, or did you feel that there was something more to it than met the eye? And I, I think um, I partly answered this question in, in the, um, the previous one that we were talking about. I really did feel that there was a lot more to it than, than what we first saw. Uh, to me, something just didn't quite add up right and it just to me they're just I knew that there was going to be some kind of a twist and of course I mean we're talking about TV we're talking about literature and so of course in this kind of story you are going to see a twist and you are going to see something that you don't expect I wasn't sure if I expected the events to happen the way they did but I did know that there was yes there was definitely something more to John Coffey and there was going to be something that was up with that number seven why do you suppose aside from the obvious when coffee was found with the with the girls' bodies that everyone just assumed that that he was the one who committed the murder i really think that there was a lot of racism involved here i mean we're talking um 1932 we're talking about the south and we're talking about the great depression which is three major um things you know that are going on here and so i i think all of these things playing together just kind of um, cinched John Coffey's fate, uh, especially the um, the fact that he was African-American. And because he was actually found with um, <laughs> the evidence, when John Coffey was actually found, he was actually crying and um, very, very devastated. Um, of course, anybody with any kind of feeling would, uh, would feel that way. And when he was found, of course the people probably thought that maybe he was feeling some kind of remorse. Uh, but we come to know that that is really not the case, and I don't want to spoil it, so that's all I'm going to say um, in that direction. I think because he was found with the evidence, which is the obvious, and because of his race, I think they just assumed that he was guilty, and it wasn't investigated any further. Also, what he said was very cryptic. He said something like, I couldn't help it. I tried to take it back, but it was too late. And so even though there's really not a clear meaning, uh, it, you know, it, it could definitely be misconstrued. And the people that found him, the sheriff and the posse, definitely um, read it to mean that uh, John Coffey killed the two girls. And then uh, when he came to his senses, he realized it was too late. And so that's why he was feeling the devastation and the weight of the sadness upon him. But of course, we all know that that is not the case. Number eight, in chapter six, we read that Paul is having a conversation with Warden Hal Moores about Percy. Moores tells Paul to let Percy be an active part of the execution for Edouard Delacroix. And I, I, I cannot pronounce this name very well. So I'm here on out, I'm going to just refer to him as Del. We read that Paul is having a conversation with Warden Hal Moores about Percy. And the warden tells Paul to let Percy be an active part of this particular execution, to let him be out front. And then they would be rid of him because Percy was going to transfer to Briar Ridge. When you read this, uh, and this can apply to the movie too if you saw the movie before you read the book, um, because uh, even though in the movie the warden and Paul weren't talking 
about Percy. Uh, this happens in the movie um, after um, Percy kills uh, Mr. Jingles. And uh, then Paul tells Percy that he will let him out front if he puts in his transfer to Briar Ridge the next day. So that is a little bit of a difference right there. But it really all just leads up to the same thing. Uh, did you feel a sense of foreboding when you saw it in the movie or when you read this? I most certainly did. Um, I, as I said, I didn't like Percy at all. And we all know that Percy had some very strong animosity towards Dell, Even more so than what Percy felt towards other prisoners. In the movie, we had seen where Percy took his little baton and broke Dell's fingers for just no reason. And I think what cinched it was when um, Billy the Kid grabbed a hold of Percy and scared the living you-know-what out of him. And, you know, of course, Percy, um, you know, peed his pants, and, of course, Dell laughed at him, which was very highly embarrassing to Percy, you know, because he was caught off guard because he was scared and because he had had that um, accident. Uh, it was very humiliating for Percy, and he didn't like Dell laughing at him about that. And so because of all of this, because of everything adding up to that, yes, I really felt that Percy was going to end up doing something and that something major was going to happen with Percy and Dell. And so as I watched the movie, I was definitely on the edge of my seat wondering what was going to be going on. But I will leave that for a future discussion because we are not quite there yet. This is all I have for this current podcast. You can email me the answers to the study questions or any comments or anything that you'd have to say to me at Sweet Nightingale US, and I'll spell that out, S-W-E-E-T-N-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-A-L-E-U-S at yahoo.com. Again, that's Sweet Nightingale US at yahoo.com. And our website is www.stephenkingbookclub.blogspot.com. And I look forward to hearing from you very soon. Okay, and in the next session, we'll go ahead and cover the next few chapters. And I will, again, try to get that out to you by next week. Until next time, this is Sharon Hawkinson signing off and wishing everybody a wonderful and safe week and happy reading. Yeah.